Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This profession is interesting in that, you know, you... I got basically got fired yesterday and then my day of work today consisted of me in Zoom meetings listening to the guy that fired me and then you know locked in a, a spaced out room uh, you know with my replacement for four hours today. Ryan Fitzpatrick apparently not happy with the decision made by the Miami Dolphins to put him on the bench in favor of the fifth overall pick in the draft. The show's PFT Live. Hello to our Peacock audience. Anyone and everyone listening on Sirius XM 211 or watching the rear on NBCSN, which begins at 9 Eastern, or enjoying the program on Sky Sports NFL, UK and Ireland, or listening to the podcast. He's Chris Sims. I'm Mike Florio. We're here with our Thursday show, which gets you ready for the Thursday night game, which leads up to our Megapix podcast oh, later baby. today. But first order of business. Hey, look, I, I, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, but this isn't some unique indignity that's been visited upon him. Guys get benched all the time. And when he says he got fired, Dude, you're still getting paid. Yeah, no, you're still that's getting not paid fired. a lot of money. You're right. That's not fired. No, right. That's uh, if that's fired, um, sign me up, Dolphins. I'll, <laughs> I'll come down right now. Brian Flores, call me up. I'm I'm ready. <laughs> you can fire me every and day. I, th- <laughs> I I I don't know how serious he is about it when he says it like that. It's just so jarring because that's not what you expect from him. And and how often do you have a guy who gets benched at any position? Who, who publicly complains about it with those kinds of terms. Again, yeah. not fired. Here's his salary for this year. It's $8 million. That is, for each and every week that he sits on the bench, 470000 bucks. Yeah, we should all be so fired, Chris. Yes, I, exactly. You, you know, I mean, first off, hey, I understand he's disappointed. We talked about it yesterday. He's been playing some pretty good football. You know, there's been no pressure on the team because there's no expectations. I'm sure he's loving it and doing, you know, all the aspects of it and probably feels like, hey, we're we're kind of building something. We're three and three. Here we go. We've played pretty good. You know, so I think that probably excited him, his family. I'm sure it's a tough pill to swallow. There's no doubt about it. But he had to have known that, you know, there at some point during this year, this was going to be a conversation regardless of record that they were going to try to infuse him in there at some point. And when I say him, I mean Tua. And, yeah, this kind of fights back against the notion that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the perfect guy for this situation and he won't cause any problems. And I don't think he'll cause any problems. But yesterday, yeah, those comments are like um, they're sulking. You know, he's, he's, be, he's sulking in, in a bad day. And I don't know if you air that out to the media. But, yeah, that's the way it works in the NFL. You know, you lose your job and you got to sit there in the room with the guy that told you you're losing your job. And then you also got to sit there in the room with the guy who just took your job and they replaced you with it. That's life in the NFL. So it's no different for him or anybody other other position or anything like that out there. The quarterback becomes a little more personable that way because we see their faces and everything more like that. But uh, hopefully he, you know, quiets it down and starts supporting Tua here from from here on out. 
Let's hear a little bit more from Ryan Fitzpatrick on hearing the news that he would be placed on the bench in favor of Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I was uh, shocked by it. You know, it definitely caught me off guard. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a hard thing for, for me to hear uh, yesterday, just kind of digesting the news. Um, my heart just hurt all day. This organization and what we've been through the last uh, year and a half, um, you know, it, this was kind of the first place other than Buffalo where I was, I just felt fully, you know, committed and invested and felt like it was my team, um, you know, and so to, to have that, um, I think that's a lot of the reason why I just, my heart was so heavy yesterday, but, um, you know, that, that's the direction that the organization's going and, you know, I've just got to accept it. Two observations. First of all, why would you let yourself think that it's your team? Thank you. When they just used the fifth that's pick the number in the draft one thing. on a quarterback. Right. I mean, you're misleading that's your yourself. Fault. That's your fault. Right. right. That's the first thing I thought of, too, when I saw that. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. Well, and here's the other point. Yeah. It's not like they're making every player available to the media now that they do these video press conferences. And typically, it's an easy way to tuck a guy into the corner on a day when maybe he wouldn't be thrilled with what's going on. I don't know why they made him available yesterday. He's not the starting quarterback, and they're on a bye week. Why in the hell did they make him available? I appreciate the transparency, but if I'm the PR director of the Miami Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick's not talking to the media on the Wednesday of our bye week. He's not the starter. There's no obligation this week to do anything. We're not making him available, yeah. period. Yeah, well, maybe the maybe the Dolphins just want to get it out of the way, right? That would probably be my thinking. Like, just get it out of the way right now where he can talk to the media, and then next week it's all Tua, and we're not still talking about the replacing of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I uh, he, I think if they knew I think if they knew what he was going to say, they wouldn't have made him available. Yeah, I, I, I think they, yeah. they misread the room. I, I, I mean – I don't totally disagree with that either, Mike. You're right. I don't think they probably expected him to kind of say some of the things he said here. And not that it's like crossing the line with what he said, but he's certainly making it a little uncomfortable and, you know, you know, right on the edge there up to where coaches and people in the organization are not going to like it. You know, you could see he's truly, he's truly beat up about this. He looks like he's, you know, he looks like pale, like he's, you know, a little bit like in shock or this whole thing. And and I'm not trying to be funny or anything. It's it's hurt his heart. I believe that. I do. But I think the big thing is what you just said. I mean, I don't know why he let himself be misled by himself to think that this was his team and that basically anything other than six and oh was probably the only thing that could have saved his job at this point to where he would have kept going. But, I mean, they, they were looking for their moment to slide him in. By week, teams where it's at, where where it's in a good spot, where it can support Tua, and we know where the schedule is. And it makes a lot of sense, and hopefully he can understand that uh, from, from their, their organizational standpoint. I think a lot of this may just be a manifestation of the fact that he is frustrated with himself for allowing himself to think that. Maybe. And I'm surprised he's so candid with it because this is the guy who went to Harvard, if you haven't heard. How does he let himself develop this blind spot, this delusion that he's got this job, that this is his team? What did he think was going to happen this year? What did he think was going to happen next year? He's going to hold Tua Tonga-Vailoa off for multiple seasons. He's going to be the Brett Favre to Tua's Aaron Rodgers. Are you kidding me? And Pete pointed out that on Sunday, when Tua got in the game, Fitz was his biggest fan and riling yeah. up the crowd. He was right. chilling. Yeah, he didn't know what was coming. Oh, no, he had no idea. It's very idea. easy to be supportive of your backup when your backup finally gets a chance to play because you're up 24 nothing. I think part of that was the exuberance of we just beat the 49ers. 43 to 17. That's right. Now we're shutting out the Jets. I'm golden. This is my gig. And if I guess if the Dolphins did anything wrong, Chris, they they never really bothered to point out the obvious, that even if you're playing well, and he had two interceptions on Sunday, but still, they shut out the Jets. But yeah. even if you're playing well, and even if things are going great, 
you're going to get the hook at some point potentially when we think two is ready. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I mean, you just you got to always be thinking that no matter how you know well you're playing. And I never really got into a situation totally like a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick where it's similar, but it's just got to be in the back of your mind at, at some point that they're they're going to try to do this. Now he was with a guy I think in Shan Gailey who's was also the offensive coordinator in the place where he said he you know, felt most comfortable in his career, which was Buffalo. So I'm sure between that and his comfort in the offense and some of the communications he's at with Shan Gailey and the fact that I doubt this was a Shan Gailey decision. This is, as you said yesterday, and you've said for a while, this is, I mean, this is the higher-ups. These are the owners, the GM, the head coach. And I think at the end of the day, probably it shocked him from that standpoint, too, because there was probably no warning sign at all. You know, sometimes when things like that happen, your offensive coordinator, your quarterback coach kind of lets you know those conversations are going on a little bit. You know, like, hey, you might you might have to play better this week. You know, there, 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 there was some talk, you know, just to let you know. So, you, you know, those type of things go on. And I doubt that went on. And that's probably why it was so shocking as well. And here's what hasn't happened yet, and I don't know that it will. And part of the problem is that this year you don't get reporters in the locker room like you do in any other year when there isn't a global pandemic. But we we saw it earlier this week from the Cowboys players who aren't happy with the coaching staff in Dallas. Have we seen anything from any unnamed player suggesting disagreement with the decision to flip no. From Ryan Fitzpatrick to no. Tua Tonga-Vailoa. And you've got veterans there who yeah. want to win now. They don't want to hang around and, and, and see what happens next year. There may not be a next year for some of these guys. Now, that may be a testament to Brian Flores' ability to well, that too. clamp down. Yeah. Right? It may be a little of the Bill Belichick approach where nobody's saying anything and any of you that say something, I will find out and don't think I won't. And they're not going to chance it even though it's going to be hard for him to find out. Right. That may have something to do with it, too. I wouldn't be shocked. And, and you know, the other thing is they're drinking the Kool-Aid down there. I mean, they, they should be. I mean, the, the, they've turned the organization around. I'm sure the guys there go, wait, every button that Chris Greer and Flores have touched so far, it's kind of worked out and we've gone in the right direction here. So let's just trust them. You know, that does go on in the locker room as well. You know, the, the, the big thing I'll keep that, that really sticks out to me where I think is the biggest issue in this whole situation is the 49ers game. You just brought it up, and to me, I, th that's where I wanted to start. The 49ers game, if they had lost that game, nobody, no matter what, they beat the Jets and the Jaguars, nobody would be saying anything about them benching Ryan Fitzpatrick at 2-4. and four. But they won that game unexpectedly. 49ers were in a tough spot, and we know all that, and, and Fitzpatrick and the, the Miami Dolphins played well, no doubt. But that's what I think has thrown the his own realm of perception out there a little bit and probably where it shocked us a little as well because of that game it held him and the team in a little bit of a higher standard and I'm sure that's what made them panic once again because they went in the bye week and they went wait we're three and three yeah we could lose to the Rams and be three and four but we can easily win the next four or five games after that and then what do we do we can't pull the switch or pull the plug then and I think that's where they ultimately probably sat down on Sunday night and realized they were in a tough spot and how to make this type of move. Another reason to make the move during the bye week so you can work out all of these various emotions that's and reconfigure right. the team toward the new starting quarterback. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, despite his disappointment, despite the things he said that were far more candid than anyone would have imagined, he did say that he will be assisting the new starting quarterback as best he can. Here's more from Fitz on the positive side of this development as it relates to Tua taking over. Once this thing starts up again, um, you know, I've got to do my best for Tua to help him out because it's there's two separate situations here. One is with Tua, and I want him to do well, and I think he's a great kid, and I think he has a really bright future. And the other one is, you know, my feelings and uh, just kind of what I'm going through, and that has to be separate from – when I walk into this building and, you know, help him out, I, I've got to separate those feelings from, um, you know, trying to be a professional and help him out as best I can. And that's good. And he needs to do that. I just yeah, think that some of those feelings probably didn't need to bubble up for the benefit of all of us. Although, thank you. We needed some content this morning and Ryan Fitzpatrick gave it to us. So uh, I, 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 
I suspect that it will be fine by the time we get to next week. They're yeah. going to have the Rams to get ready for. They don't have time to sit around and try to work this out. And I don't think Brian Flores is going to want to waste any of his time trying to work this out. He's no. going to trust that Ryan Fitzpatrick understands. You're getting 470 grand a week. Deal with it. Yeah. yeah. Whether we play you or not, you're getting this money. We didn't cut you. And, you know, should they – Should they? this came up yesterday when Shereen Williams and I were discussing this because she thinks that the Dolphins should do right by Ryan Fitzpatrick and maybe trade him if that's what he wants. I don't think they should because they need him in the event Tua gets hurt. Who's right. the quarterback if Tua gets hurt? I don't think they have any obligation to him other than to pay him a check every week. No, no, and I, I don't. I don't either. You know, I, I don't look at it that way. Nor is this a situation to where, you know, it's one thing if the guy's been there and carrying your franchise and doing all these great things. He's been there for two years. I don't think it's that type of thing. He understood what he signed up for here. So I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't totally see it that way. Um, Fitzpatrick will do the right thing. We know that. I, I have no doubt that he'll be the right mentor and, and approach it all the right way as he goes forward. Uh, it's a tough time. It's what stinks about football. I mean, football is brutal that way. You have your rip heart, you know, your rip, you know, heart ripped out of you all the time. Um, but I, I do think. Well, you almost gave right us way. one. You, I you almost really, did. You really, You're right. It almost slipped through. There. You have your, you have your, you have your rip heart. Rip you have hard. your rip hearted, but but you have your rip hearted. That's why I do think going back to a little earlier, that's probably why they did this yesterday. Yeah, they didn't expect to maybe have some of the quotes that he let out, but I think you know what you just said, the bye week, all that, get it out of the way. So now we focus on the Rams, Tua. I'm sure they're going to have a few days off here because of that, and he'll get to recharge and figure out you know his approach going forward. And I think everything will be fine and dandy there next week in Miami. Well, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was surprised by the news, he wasn't alone. Here's Tua on his reaction to finding out that he's the new starting quarterback in Miami. You know, you never know when, when your opportunity is given. And when Coach Flo called me, I thought it was like any other call. We usually watch film on Tuesdays. And so I thought he was calling because he wanted me to come up and, and you know, watch some film. So I, I usually you know, get with him um, to watch film, but it was different. I, I just think that you, you need to be ready every, every time. So, you know, opportunities come and when they come, you just gotta, you gotta take them and run with them. And we saw what Tua can do with that back in his freshman year at Alabama. He yeah. got the opportunity in place of Jalen Hurts, and he ran with it all the way to a national championship. And that's when the legend was born. And that's what the Dolphins are hoping that he can do, and yeah. we're going to find out. You know, a point someone made yesterday that I hadn't thought of, the idea that the Dolphins hold the Texans' first-round pick. We don't know where the Texans are going to land in the pecking order, but you need to see what Tua has because you may be in position to do the Arizona Cardinals, Josh Rosen one year, Kyler Murray the next year. You just got to see what Tua has as part of your broader decision-making process on what to do with that pick that you got from the Texans in the Larry Tunsil kenny Stills trade. Yeah, that, that, that's amazing. Well, it just shows you, again, you know, Miami, and they should trust the, these guys that are running the organization and Greer and Flores because, it, I mean, wow, the team's improved this much. They got all these assets again going into another offseason. And, yeah, quite possibly, listen, you know, as we've talked about a lot here, Trevor Lawrence is looking like it's going to be the greatest fight ever for one player. It really is. And right now, Pete just got in my ear and said the Texans would be sitting there at the seventh pick of the draft. So, hey, they'll be able to make moves if they want to. But I think they drafted Tua thinking this is our guy. It's why they got Shan Gailey there. It's an offense they believe fits him. And they're going to try to now build the rest of the team around them. And I'd like to see it go that route. I love Trevor Lawrence. He's awesome. But, hey, let's build a team. And then as long as you just got a good quarterback, you could still win. And you can win a whole lot of games for a long, long time. And then maybe he'll become great as you put that good team around him. And uh, I think too many times we're looking for that one guy too much here in, in, in recent history. The Las Vegas Raiders always looking for that one guy uh -oh. because John Gruden's the head coach, and they're going to have a hard time protecting the one guy they currently have in Derek Jeez. Carr when Tom Brady comes to town. This is the latest this example of the NFL's revised COVID-19 protocol. And again, is this something they should have been doing from the start? 
Is this something that they've developed on the fly in consultation with leading epidemiologists? It doesn't matter. There's a new approach. You send Trent Brown, one of the starting offensive linemen, home because he's positive for COVID-19. The next step is you get everyone else who was in close contact with him home as well, just in case. For the Raiders, that means their entire starting offensive line was sent home on Wednesday, the first serious day of practice in advance of a game. Will they be back today? Based on everything that's transpired over the past few weeks, I would be surprised if they are. How do you get these guys ready to play against a pretty damn good Buccaneers defense if you're doing everything from home and you're not actually practicing, Chris? Uh, That's going to be some tough task. Now, uh, you know, it's a double whammy, too. You're coming off a bye week. I'm sure they've had a few days off, and these days of practice are important because you kind of want to get back in the swing of things. I don't know if the Raiders had practice on Monday this week already to kind of get things started. Sometimes that's what happens during these bye weeks. But, you know, to your point, Mike, that damn, this ain't the week you want to have offensive line issues. Not with this crew coming in there. JPP and Sue and and Barrett. I mean, they, they got they got some some dogs up front. And I mean like that in a respectful way to where they're coming. And that's the great advantage and maybe one of the great things the best thing on the whole Raiders roster is their O-line, their ability to run the ball, you know, teams having to crowd the box because they can be so overpowering. And then we saw when you do that with Henry Ruggs in the lineup line and all that can lead to some big plays down the field. So if they have a less than perfect O-line against this group here, there is no way they're going to win this football game. I don't know where this is going to go, Mike. It's going to be interesting. I guess they were around Trent is what John Gruden said yesterday. Do you think? Yeah. How happy am I? I'm not happy. I'm concerned. I'm really more concerned about Trent and his health than anything. This is COVID and I'm concerned about anything or anyone that has it or is near it. And that, 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 that sounds good. And that's one thing about the Raiders. They've said all the right things this year. Gruden was out in front of how we got to beat COVID and this and that. And man, they've had their fair share of issues dating back to Gruden refusing to wear a mask when the league requires him to wear a mask on the sidelines. Yep. The ridiculous incident from a few weeks ago with all the players that went to the Darren Waller charity event that was held in an enclosed space with no one wearing masks and way too many people. So I feel like they've been flirting with something like this for a while. And from a strategic standpoint, this is going to potentially hurt them on Sunday night. And from the NFL's perspective, oh, well, this is just one of the potential inconveniences that will arise from the pandemic. You're going to have guys sent home, and they're not worried about the fact that guys aren't going to be able to prepare for the game. That's not their issue. Their issue is limiting the possibility of an outbreak, even if it means that the chances of one team winning and one team losing are going to be skewed. That, that's, that's, that's acceptable yeah. in the NFL's eyes because what's not acceptable is an outbreak that shuts down games. No, I mean, we know they're going to try to make this happen and, and do all that. Hey, yeah, yeah, well, you know, when this thing's arise, you're right. I, I, first thing you think of is with the Raiders, you just go, well, I don't know. Who knows what they were doing? You're, they're not in the trust tree anymore after the charity event last, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but this is going to have like extra meaning. I mean, this is Gruden versus Tampa Bay, the place he won the Super Bowl. He is, trust me, charged up this week. He wants to win this game. He wants to stick it to Tampa. He wants to stick it to the Glaciers. He's got respect for them, but I just know how this man works. He wants to win this football game, so this will drive him crazy. And I think the other thing, too, is, you know, again, it just shows you how fragile it is and how teams and coaches still got to do their best on a daily basis to compete versus this virus. And, you know, I, I know some of it, you can't stop it and whatever else, but you, you got to continue to do your best and keep old linemen separate in the meeting rooms and all of those type of things. And uh, I just hope all those protocols will, were followed. And really for all the things that a coach has to worry about, you throw this on top of it. It just shows you that even a guy like Bill Belichick, can't ensure completely no. that his key players will stay away from it right. because Cam Newton got it, and that's what sent the Patriots' season off the rails. Not having him for three weeks, throwing him back into the fray on Sunday against Denver, he wasn't ready. Guys around him weren't ready, and it all begins with making sure that players are available for maximum practice time because your opponent typically is, and that is a huge advantage. The Buccaneers are going to practice all week. 
The Raiders aren't going to have their offensive line for practice all week. It's probably going to show on Sunday night when the Buccaneers visit the Raiders for the first time in the new stadium in Las Vegas. All right, Le'Veon Bell will be playing for the first time as a member of the Kansas City Chiefs, now his third NFL team. He spoke with reporters yesterday regarding his decision to join a team that already is loaded at all of the various skill positions on offense. When I decided to come here, I already knew, you know, the weapons and it's only one football to kind of go around. So, um, you know, the time where I do get my opportunity, um, I think it's going to be a lot of opportunity um, to kind of show um, what I can do in some space, you know, running routes. Um, I think this offense is really fit for my, you know, my skill set. Um, I think Coach Reed um, does a good job of, you know, getting backs the ball in space. And um, I just, I'm glad I got this opportunity. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. I always love it when a guy shows up for the press conference in his uniform. That speaks to a higher level of passion. Yeah, I think. Right? I don't know. Or maybe well, he just, just didn't looks have good. time to change. Yeah. It just looks good. Right. It looks good. It shows that he's locked in. It shows that he's serious. It shows that he's proud. He's proud to be wearing that jersey. He's proud to be part of that team. He's happy to be in a place where you're a lot closer to undefeated than winless. So, Definitely. you know, he's had, a, he's had a rough couple of years, and some would say part of it's his own decision-making. He shouldn't have sat out all of 2018. I get people asking me all the time, also, was he right or was he wrong to sit out? Can you, there's no formula you can, you can create that shows whether he was right or wrong. He did what he thought was right for him. He got $27 million. That's right. Guaranteed from the Jets for two seasons. And now he gets a chance to chase a championship. If he's holding up that trophy in Tampa at the end of the season, I'd say he made the right moves. That that's right. And you know, again, you know, what, what he got half that year of the franchise tag uh, money, right, when he sat out those games. And you're right, there is no formula to tell. I mean, what if he played that year and tore his ACL? Then I don't know. You know, is there a formula to tell us that might have happened through a 16-game season when he touches the ball 400 times for the Steelers? No, there's not. So he was scared of that. Um, I'm excited for it. I know that. And we talked a lot last week. I think it was a really smart decision by him. He needed to go somewhere so we don't ask these questions about him anymore, about what type of player he is and whatever that is. And now he's in a place like we talk about with all great players. You get a little support and everyone goes, oh, wait, this guy's pretty damn good. You know, and it, and it does fit him. Andy Reid, we know he knows how to throw to the running back, the screen game. We're seeing like we saw last week. There's definitely going to be a little bit more influence of the run game as we saw with against the Bills on Monday night. And I think he's going to have a nice little niche for himself within that offense every week. And uh, I'm, re- I'm really pumped to see what he's got. He looks good in that 26. I mean, they just they gave Damian Williams' jersey number away just because he's on the COVID list. That's how that goes this year. That was the first thing he's I noticed not, when he was there. He's, he's not using it this yeah, year. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, other, so other how does that work if he it. comes back next year and Bell's back? What do they do? <laughs> Well, I have a feeling that if Bell's back, Damian Williams won't yeah, be back. I think, but yeah, we'll see how true. it all plays out. Right. I'm I'm not sure that Bell's going to be there next year. I think this is about finding a way to rebuild Bell's marketability. Yep. You play into January when right. an increasing number of teams each week will be home watching and saying, that guy's pretty good. Yep. That guy's reestablished himself. We have a complete offense that he can that he can augment and 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 from his perspective, when it's time to choose his next team, he needs better advice on what it means to go to a team that is trying to build from the outside in, not the inside out. Now, no one else was offering him $27 million fully guaranteed over two years. That had something to do with it. Yeah. But he could have made a better decision from the standpoint of what he would have been able to do as a running back because he shouldn't have gone to the Jets, period. No. The Jets no. shouldn't have wanted him. He shouldn't have wanted them. But he's got $27 million pre-tax, still pretty good. Pretty good to have that problem and obligation of having to pay tax on $27 million, a problem we all wish that we would have. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we saw how he responded on Monday night with his highest rushing output of his career. I just think this is good for everyone. Mm -hmm. It's going to make Edwards-Alaire a little more motivated to earn more touches, and we'll see what Le'Veon Bell can do. And they're not going to force it. You know, they had LaShawn McCoy last year, and he fell out of favor. That's right. He ended up inactive late in the year. If Bell isn't getting it done, he's not going to play. He's going to have to earn his work. And if he's if he's as good as he was a few years ago, he will. If he's the guy that we saw earlier this season, he won't. It's that simple. Andy Reid's not going to 
No, he's not going to use Bell just to justify the decision to go get him. No, I agreed. He's gonna he's gonna play the best players. You're right. It's not gonna be like, oh, you're Le'Veon Bell, and I gotta I feel like I gotta put you out here because of who you are and your name and all that. No, that will not go down. There's no way. But for your Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I mean, it's, it's it's really awesome. It really is because, like you said, it's probably unlikely that Le'Veon Bell's back there this year or next year, and. You know, they've, they've had to use him a lot, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, he's, for a small guy, I mean, a lot of touches, a lot of carries, a lot of pass protection. You know, that that's going to wear him out. So this the biggest thing for the Chiefs is they're protecting their investment, their first-round investment in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, hey, having Le'Veon Bell taking some of the, the wear and tear away from you and letting him, you know, take some of it, it's going to help his career and further that along too. So it, it makes sense from all angles and uh, – I'm I'm pumped. I really am. I would think early in that game on uh, Sunday against the Broncos, they try to you know kind of break the ice with Le'Veon Bell and get him the ball early in that first drive. I agree with you, and it's going to be fun to see. And you know, look, that's a great rivalry. That was kind of one of the coming out parties for Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago. Remember, that? I think they were down ten points in the fourth quarter, and he yeah. worked some of his magic on a Monday night. So the Broncos be a great game. been trolling me this to week play. too. The Broncos been trolling me on social media. They're like the organization, they've been trolling me because I said their defense was average last week, and then they went out there and did it. I don't know. This might have not been the right week to troll me when Kansas City's coming to town with Le'Veon Bell. But we'll see how the week plays out. We'll see how it goes. Are you trying to give them another clip to use next week? Oh, well, I mean, they better hope they hold them under 30 because if they're not, they might have a new clip coming their way next week. (laughs) Here's what I think the media organizations need to do. When we say things that are borne out, we need to make the videos like – the video of you saying the defense isn't very good, cut with highlights of all the instances Wait, the, the where, Jets game, as like you when would the say, Jets were going thirty bed. points, right? Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like, is that, yeah. Or the Broncos game where they were, do- I mean, the Buccaneers game where they were dominated. Like, yeah, they were really average those games before that Patriots game. Okay, they played well, I know, but this is the new thing, I guess, right now is to look for a, a clip and then troll people with it. I understand that that's part of the whole social media engagement and they're preaching to a certain choir that wants to hear it, but it does rub me the wrong way that teams that have merited criticism when they suddenly perform in a way that counters that criticism, they thump their chest. It's like, we're not making this stuff up. Right. We're not, we're not coming up with some off the rails observation. I mean, when everyone picks the Rams except Coach Dungy to beat the 49ers, we're not doing that because of the great performances the 49ers have put together and the horrible performances the Rams have put together of late. Just like with the Eagles and the 49ers a few weeks earlier. I don't know why it bothers me. I just think that there's such a selective and narrow focus. Yeah, that's what it is. And and I think our our attitude should be, go ahead and have your fun. Go ahead and have your fun. Because you know what's coming, and we know what's coming. And what's coming for the Broncos' defense is Patrick Mahomes. And I have a feeling there won't be a video next week on the Denver Broncos' Twitter page with any of these quotes interspersed with all of the incidents of Patrick Mahomes throwing BBs and darts through the Denver Broncos' defense. I just have a feeling that won't be happening. I don't Here's think so. Here's what will be happening. We'll take a break. Odo Beckham Jr. made some headlines yesterday, but was everyone focused on the wrong thing? I think they were. We'll explain next here on PFT Live. Odo Beckham Jr. made some news yesterday, both with what he said at his weekly press conference and what he did back in January at the National Championship, handing out cash. Remember all the things LSU said? It wasn't real money. Fake money. It was fake money. He went out and collected it back. It was just uh, (laughs) all in fun. And then Joe Burrow blew the whistle on everything. No, it was real. It was real. It was real money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So Odo Beckham Jr. is now banned from the LSU facilities for the next two years. Well, it's not like he was going to be back over the course of the next year anyway because of the pandemic. And 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 look, I yeah, I, I it, the whole thing is ridiculous. All it does when something like this occurs is it shines an even brighter light on a corrupt system that does not give the players fair value for their skills, abilities, and sacrifices, and also the risks they take physically. Yeah. 
That's the reality. And and I've I've done the full 180 in the course of my 20 years of being in this business because I was drinking the Kool-Aid that this is a violation of the rules. It needs to be taken seriously. I remember the whole Reggie Bush thing. And God forbid that his family get free rent from an agency group that wanted to represent him. God forbid he got unfair benefits indirectly. Look, get what you can while you can. I say that to every kid out there that is playing sports at the college level and getting room, board, tuition, fees, and snacks. Get what you can while you can because they're making a ton of money off of your effort and they don't care. So you get what you can while you can. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Mike, I mean, I know we, we see it the same way. We really do. And, you know, I don't know why Odell had to do it right there in front of all the cameras yeah, and everything. Yeah. That might have be been said for discretion. Yeah. That might have been the, the biggest mistake he made. Uh, but you're right. It's not going to affect his life. Okay. Wow. Yeah. He's not going to LSU anytime soon, anyways. And, you know, again, it's, I'll state something I've said. This crap's going on everywhere, every school, everywhere. Now, like I said, it's not happening on the field in front of cameras and everything like that, but it just, it's unstoppable. So I, I just I don't even care that he did this. It means nothing to me, and it means I don't look at LSU any worse off or anything like this. There was plenty of other games or other schools, or trust me, the players were in the parking lot, they saw an alumni, and they got a big handshake of cash. All right, that's just the way it goes down, and I got no problem with that, so that's it. And I've been hearing those stories for years, too. You know, at, at programs where guys who don't even play. Exactly. They get, they, they get their tickets, their two tickets, free tickets to every game, and they sell them to someone at that, a dramatic There's premium, another one. You're nobody right. Ever, nobody ever knows the difference. Exactly. And that's the thing. Because it doesn't happen on camera. <laughs> that was the biggest mistake. <laughs> yeah. So I, I look. It, it's it's really not. How a much huge money issue. you think and he I, had in that wad of cash there? How many? How much you think he had? Five grand? Ten grand? The school said know. it was two thousand dollars, but who? But who knows? Well, he gave out two thousand dollars. That means it doesn't mean he gave it all away. I, you know, but that you was. Think he kept some of it? Well, I don't know. He had, he probably had a night out where he wanted to have some fun. I mean, he's there in Louisiana, on you know. You know, uh, what the hell is that? The French Quarter and everything like that. I'm sure he had to keep some cash for himself, I guess. I don't know. When he spoke to reporters yesterday, he addressed his demeanor at the end of the blowout loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And he said that he, he's he, he's not going to make any apologies for getting upset when they lose. He wants to win. He wants to win every game. And he's not going to give up until the game is over. And he said, you know, because we saw him remove his cleats. Well, the coach took him out of the game, right? And for his own good, he wasn't putting him back in, and and he said he's had a lingering turf toe issue since the the Cowboys game, so he was taking the cleats off. Yeah, he, he he's he's not going to keep his foot bound up in this tight cleat any longer than he has to. So, yeah, and he also and this one's funny to me. He didn't say the name, but I know who he's talking about, a guy that he very much would like to play with who's currently the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm kind of over trying to play the right thing because I love him to death, but there are people who have plenty of rings and are considered the GOAT, and they do things on the sideline, and other people do things on the sideline, and they get away with it, and that's classified as passionate because they may have something behind their legacy or whatever it is. I don't care if I have zero rings, 12 rings, or 20 rings. I love this game of football, and I'm not going to keep dulling myself for the world to feel like I am mature or whatever. You would like me to throw around it. I am always going to be me, tired of losing, tired of losing to good teams, just ultimately want to win. And you know what's most telling there? Tired of losing to good teams. See, that's where the Browns are. This is why it feels like the Browns are two and four, not four and two. They're beating the teams they should, but they're still getting blown out by the teams that are better than them. And that's what I think is driving Odell Beckham Jr. crazy. He wants them to be competitive with everyone. They've had the Ravens. They've had the Steelers. 38-6, 38-7. They're not ready to compete with the best two teams in their own division. No, no. Yeah, you're right. He, he, he knows, you know, not that he's been on Super Bowl teams, but he was on a playoff team there in the New York Giants with Super Bowl people, as in Tom Coughlin and Eli Manning. And he understands that it's got to be to another level as far as, yeah, you want to start to beat the good football teams. You know, that's going to take another level of intensity, preparation, attention to detail. You know, so that's where I think he is frustrated. And this is quite honestly the reason I'm an Odell Beckham Jr. defender and all of these things. Has he crossed the line a few times through his career? Certainly. I understand that. I do. But what I saw, you know, up here – in New York throughout his whole career 
was more times or not a guy getting mad because they were losing football games. Or, yes, they're losing a football game and he's the best player on the team and he hasn't touched the ball the first four series of the game. You know, that's to me, and it wasn't because it was like, me, 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 I want to touch the ball. He's more like, you explained it the other day. What the hell, we're losing, and we're losing, and we're not giving me the ball? That makes no sense. Every wide receiver in the history of the sport would do some of the stuff he did. Now, he's, he's commercialized, he's a superstar, everybody looks at every little thing he does, and yes, he did cross the line maybe with some of those antics, I understand that, but Jerry Rice... Terrell Owens, it doesn't matter who you talk about. If those things went down, they were going to come over to the sideline and, and let everybody know what the hell is going on here. Think about Jerry Rice, and I've heard this time and again, the PR staff in San Francisco when he was playing did a very good job of anticipating when he was going to blow his stack right. and getting him and out of the him. locker room yeah. before he could. Right. And uh, that gets back to what we talked about with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Why do you put this guy in front of a microphone yesterday? They knew when to avoid microphones for Jerry Rice and when to get him out of the building right after the game so that the reporters wouldn't have access to him. And Odo Beckham Jr., he just is who he is, and he's right. We see Tom Brady blow a gasket, and it's not like we don't, call it out it's not like we don't point it out I mean Brady got relentlessly criticized two weeks ago for yeah, the right. four finger thing and and for 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 yelling at Ryan Jensen but but uh yeah what's the difference it's passion it's wanting to win and that's what Odo Beckham has here's where we need to give Odo Beckham Jr. some praise and this is unfortunate because he had some comments about COVID-19 and I saw what ultimately made the headlines on Twitter yeah he said somewhat flippantly I don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want any parts of it. It doesn't want any parts of me. I think it's a mutual respect. He had kind of a half smile on his face as he said that. And this all flowed from the fact that he got sent home last week for a couple of days because he wasn't feeling well. And he had to pass some COVID tests before he could come back. And his point was, I didn't have it. But what he said after that, I think, merits attention and praise. Because he didn't feel well. And it wasn't like somebody came up to him like Jake DeLome to you after that game in September of 2006 and said, you don't look so good. Right. He went to someone and said, I don't feel so good. So they activated the protocol that required them to send him home from practice on Thursday, practice on Friday. He had to have multiple negative COVID tests before he could come back. He did the right thing. And he said, and here's the quote. It was more in my mind for me and my maturity level. I felt like it was the right thing to do to mention I may have not been feeling well. I wouldn't want it to spread throughout the whole building if there was a case that I would possibly have had it. I was trying to be an adult and precautious about the situation and trying to handle it the right way. That's what he needed to do. That's what football players need to do. And the problem is, as we see more of these guys get sent home, because they say, man, I'm not feeling right today, or, oh, by the way, my wife's got COVID-19, more and more guys are going to keep their mouths shut. And, and it's the selfish thing to do. He did the selfless thing. He took himself out of circulation for two days of practice because just in case yeah. he does have it, he doesn't want it to get through the facility and maybe end up infecting someone that it's going to potentially kill. Definitely. So I, th- that's what should have been the headline from Odo Beckham Jr. yesterday because that's the behavior we need to see other players emulate because I guarantee you other guys aren't doing it. They're not lining up to say what their symptoms are in a given day and and knowing that they're going to get sent home and maybe ultimately benched because their replacement comes in and plays well. Yeah, well, you know, the, the first thing that, that just comes to my mind is this is where like you just can't win as a professional athlete sometimes this day and age anymore. You just can't win either way you go. You know, oh, he does the mature, responsible thing. Oh, you know, and he gets backlash for that. Okay, so then what if he stayed and he did have COVID? And now, let's say 10 guys came down with it, and all of a sudden it's the biggest game of the year, Brown Steelers, and they can't play. Everybody be going, oh, Odell Beckham Jr., he's such an immature idiot. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I can't believe he did that. He's just thinking about himself all the time. So, you know, what do you want? Yes, he did the responsible thing. You know, he's showing leadership with that football team. And he's, you know, I like everything he said yesterday. I do. I do. I do. But I hope it can be more of a good example type thing for other players to just look at and go, wait, Odell Beckham Jr. can do it. Then, okay, I can do it too and go there and tell the coaches or whatever. I don't feel well, but it could go either way to, to your point because maybe it'll scare people too.
But I think ultimately doing the right thing is something that needs to be celebrated. He did the right thing. It's it's unfortunate that he tried to make a joke that wasn't all that funny and that people locked onto those words out of context and didn't consider the full quote and understand that he was acknowledging he could get it, that there was a chance he may have had it, and that's why he tapped out and went Well, he home. was doing the Gardner but, Minshew thing, right? The, the virus want to know once, exactly. saw, right? He did the same thing, and but he's Odell Beckham funny. Jr., so people all of a sudden make it yeah. into something else. We thought it was funny when Gardner Minshew said it and people were acting like it wasn't funny when Odell said it. He was clearly trying to make a joke, but I think he did the right thing and I appreciate it even if no one else does. All right, we're going to take a break. OBJ wasn't the only receiver who was in the headlines yesterday. Is there a certain contender out there that is interested in Antonio Brown? We'll discuss that next here on Pro Football Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Just there, about 30 minutes ago, Adam Schefter reported that um, the Seattle Seahawks are uh, in a position to push to sign Antonio Brown after his reinstatement in Week 8. Just curious. You can comment on that and your potential interest in Antonio. We have uh, we have endeavored to, to be in on everything that's going on, and John has done a marvelous job of always being tuned in to what's happening, and uh, and this this is no exception, you know. So we'll see what happens, you know, as we go forward. But uh, we're 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 tuned in to what's happening there. Let's be careful from yesterday at his press conference. He went even farther last night on Sirius XM NFL Radio. He said. We're there, we're in it, and we know what's happening. So we're there, we're in it. It isn't settled yet. We don't know where it's going to go. We're always on the ready to compete to get guys, and so this is one of those chances, and we'll see what happens. This one doesn't surprise me. Last year, Mm -hmm. they were interested in Antonio Brown. They were interested in Josh Gordon. They signed Josh Gordon. There was that cloud over Antonio Brown because no one knew whether or not the league was going to put him on the commissioner exempt list. There was that vibe that that's what the league was going to do. So as a result, and this is what drives me crazy. Don't get me started. I'm going to get started. He served last year a 14-game unpaid suspension because the league wouldn't tell teams whether or not they would put him on the commissioner exempt list so nobody would sign him. Yeah, right. They should have told the teams if they weren't going to do it so he could play last year while everything was playing out. The league got to have it both ways. And, what, and see, he should have gotten credit. You're going to suspend him eight games? He's served 14. He should be good to go at the start of the 2020 season, but that's not how it works because the NFL does whatever they want to do when it comes to these kinds of situations. That's just fact. I'm not being critical. That's just fact. They do whatever they want to do, and it's hard for the players to do anything about it. Now that Antonio Brown is almost available to come back, and it's as of week eight that he'll be able to be signed, it sure looks like the Seahawks are in it, Chris. And as we said yesterday, there's a chance that that will spark other teams – to become interested, if for no reason other than to block the Seahawks from getting it. Well, yeah, I mean that that's that would be a big time move. I'm sure there'd be some teams in the NFC that'll be looking at it, going, "Wait, do we want to get in on this? Do we really want to let them have Antonio Brown? Maybe we need him." You know, again, I'll throw Green Bay out there. That should be one of those teams thinking about that. But um, makes sense. It really does. You know, one like New England. I think Seattle has a type of culture that. It's just not they're not going to be affected by Antonio Brown or anything like that. It certainly wasn't an issue in New England. The issue was, of course, they didn't know about some of the things that maybe Antonio Brown and his representation 
didn't tell him some things that were going on behind the scenes. But it wasn't about not being able to fit in the culture or bringing him in that way. Hey, the, the Seahawks got, you know, they got to make some t- sort of move, right? I don't know if they can make enough trades to help their defense out. So what's the next thing you do after that? You just go, let's just score more points. Let's just score more because that's what we got to do. That's the strength of our team, our quarterback, our passing game. And let's make it to basically where nobody can match up with us in football across the board. And I, I understand where they're going because I think at this late in the game, I don't know, maybe some defensive players will be out there worth trading for because of next year's salary cap issue and all that. But I think that's going to be tough to do because they got to balance next year's salary cap and all those type of things. So this is the next best, best thing. Get a guy that's on the street, and hopefully he's ready to go and can help their team if it comes to that. The Saints return from their bye week this weekend with a home game against the Carolina Panthers. Michael Thomas was not suspended per se. He was fined the amount of a game check. It was the ankle injury, ostensibly, that kept him out of action. He's not got a hamstring problem to go along with the ankle. Sean Payton, coach of the Saints, said yesterday there will be no more discipline for Michael Thomas. But as we said last week, that was the shot across the bow. That was the shape up or ship out. Right. And if he continues to engage in the behaviors that resulted in last week's discipline, there will be more discipline, and who knows where it all ends for the Saints and Michael Thomas. But you can't have one guy that's disrupting what the coach is trying to do. The Saints haven't had guys like that. And if Thomas is going to continue to be that way, and maybe he chooses to be that way deliberately, maybe he's morphing into the Antonio Brown, I want out of here, I want to play somewhere else. We haven't heard that from him, but he's 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 out of the doghouse for now, subject to the possibility of being pushed back into the doghouse by Sean Payton. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, last week straightened him out a little bit. You know, I, I certainly have hope for the situation. I think we have a guy that's just ultra psycho, competitive, you know, tough as hell, takes no nonsense, and has a little personal issue with the guy he got in a fight with, you know, last week. Obviously, it sounds like it's been going on for the last two years. But, man, do they need him back. He's just such a big, important part of that football team. And really, he, to me, is like the guy that where I go, yeah, the Saints are a playoff football team. When Michael Thomas is in there, I go, Saints are a Super Bowl team. That's the, that's the difference in them right there. And uh, I hope he's back sooner rather than later. They brought in Antonio Brown for a visit last year. Yeah. You imagine Antonio Brown with the Saints. You've got the Saints. You've got the Packers. You've got the Buccaneers where Tom Brady wants him. You've got the Seahawks. I really do think these NFC teams are going to get stirred up now and it may come down to someone saying we have to get him to keep him away from one of these other contenders. And that could be the difference between getting to a Super Bowl and not getting to a Super Bowl. If you can still play like you did a couple of years ago, we have to take a break. One more hour of PFT Live still to come. Calais Campbell joins us in a half hour. We'll be back with more right after this. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 